You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. Hey, it's good to see you here today. We know that this is a a busy weekend of family and friends. Uh, Depending on where you had to go, they came to you, you had to go to them. Just glad that you were able to be here today. So today's message is looking back, and when we talk about that, we're talking about looking at 2021. And I would just say this is one of those uh, dilemma messages because it's the day after Christmas, right? And most of us are still in a Christmas mindset. But on the other side of that, do you realize this is the last Sunday of the, new, of the year? And by next Sunday, it will be the new year. So this is one of those, you kind of have a foot in both worlds right now. You're coming out of Christmas, but on the same side of it, you're also, this is the last Sunday of this particular year. And so I'm going to share a passage of Scripture, and it's going to be a little bit different than what I normally do, liking to look back and do a little reflections on what have we learned, what have we seen, because I would assume most of you, uh, a year ago, never thought we would still be where we are today. I had a little more optimistic outlook. I thought some things would have been wrapped up, you know, we'd be moving on, things getting... And now I've just flat out given up on the word normal. I've just basically abandoned it from my verbiage because I don't know what it is and what it's going to look like. How do you know what it is when you don't even know when it's showing up? Right? So, would everybody stand for the reading of the word? If you would, we're going to read Isaiah chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. Let's read together. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together. And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us as we look at your word and also look in the rearview mirror of life at 2021. First of all, God, this, thank you for being faithful. While we may not have seen all the circumstances and how things would be prolonged to what they are, we have seen that you have been faithful in spite of things that may have surprised us, but it did not surprise you. And I pray that we can not only see the activity of God as it has occurred, help us to have a a, a passion and anticipation for the things that you will be doing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. So obviously, well, maybe not so obvious, but next Sunday I'll be actually talking on the message looking forward. If you're going to talk about looking back, then next Sunday we'll be talking a little more about what what looking forward looks like. 
But as I said, we kind of want to do a little bit of a backdrop here and, and look at what God has done this past year. And we're talking more about principles rather than data and statistics and that. We're talking about uh, some of the things that we see as a principle. One of the challenges that we have often as a follower of Christ is this. We always want to think that God's plan for us is a rosy future. It's a, it's a mountaintop experience. It's going to be a wonderful time. But many of you have not only lived through 2021, some of you experienced the same thing through 2020. And life, if you've noticed, life's challenges and frustrations happen uh, a lot of uh, challenges in life didn't, quote, take a break because we're in a pandemic. The pandemic made some of the normal problems more difficult, more frustrating, more aggravating. And uh, I think, again, most of us probably didn't anticipate even the outlook and the circumstances that we would be having today. And now we're looking at this uh, resurgence, and it's, I'm amazed at the scientists who can just keep coming up with new names. You know, it was, it was COVID-19, then it was the Delta variant, and now it's Omicron. I mean, you're just like, like, who sits in the room and invents the words? This is describe what's going on. And you just see things playing out. Uh, most folks have been affected by it by some way, whether it be a family member or a friend. And it really can cause, you know, like, where's God in all this? And what, what does our future look like? And the text that we read today actually comes, uh, well, it comes from Isaiah, and he's actually not only talking about the past, he's talking about their future. But I'm going to use it today as he's relating to the past, because here's the context of what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah prophesies this passage of Scripture around 705 B.C. This is actually about 740 years after the children of Israel have gone through the Red Sea. And 740 years later, he's, he's referencing this tremendous miracle. And it is a great miracle, but I'm sure there were people who were thinking, hey, I'm not minimizing what God did 740 years, but if we're going to look for the activity of God, could you talk about something maybe a little more recent, like what he's done lately, maybe last week, last month? It's just how many know, if you're looking for the activity of God and you've got to go back 740 years, it just looks a little discouraging. Why do we have to go back so far? Well, what is he doing today? But the reason he brings this up is because he highlights some principles in that passage of Scripture that are used to help uh, them uh, celebrate what God not only will do, but has done. But the other part of this is, that if you read the book of Isaiah, it's not exactly a book of great news. It's got some good selective passages. He prophesies the Messiah coming. And that's a positive, but let me just tell you, there's a lot of down messages. There's a lot of, uh, some people would go, man, I don't know if I can handle Isaiah as my pastor. He's just way too negative. But he was given a, a voice at a very particular time that it was a very dark time. And what he's actually telling them later in the book of Isaiah is things are going to get rougher. No, I'm not going to prophesy that things are going to get harder and more rougher. I, I'm not claiming to be in a prophetic uh, role at this particular moment, okay? I'm just telling you, I want you to get the frame of what is going on here because he's basically telling them this and the timeline played out. In about 100 years after Isaiah gives this prophecy, the Israelites will be conquered and taken to captive to Babylon for 70 years. That's not exactly the kind of outlook and the plan that you... I mean, in essence, he's saying, don't worry about your retirement plan. You aren't going to have one. Uh, yeah, it's just going to be a whole different future. It's going to be a whole different outlook. And so that is very discouraging to them. 
So how does a prophet talk to people about God's faithfulness when the future is so bleak? He backs it up and says, let me show you, let me remind you. The children of Israel have had dark days before. And one of the darkest moments we had was when we were in slavery in Egypt. And I want to show you, I want to remind you of how God brought us through that. And it's a reminder that no matter what our future looks like, if we take the time to do a real little reflection, we'll see that God is faithful. And some of the activity that we see in the rearview mirror reveals what he wants to do out the windshield of our life. Everybody said amen. So let's begin to look at some of these things. And I'll be telling a few things, uh, stories maybe to highlight this so you have a better understanding. So as we look at our lives here as a church, what we've been through, would everybody read number one with me? God has made a way. God has made a way when there was no way. And we see this in Isaiah 43, 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Having church in 2021 has been one of the most challenging things that we've had as a leadership. And many of you uh, who are regular know that uh, I've inserted this kind of mentality throughout. I've salted the message, uh, the messages in 2021 this way with this. I already know what we can't do. I don't have a leadership meeting so that I can have everything rehearsed back to me about what we can't do. I already know that. I, all i got to do is just go to the websites or, or make a phone call or two, and I can learn everything that what we cannot do. I got that down. I bring the leaders into the room and saying, based on the parameters that are being handed to us, why don't you tell me what we can do? Let's have some creativity. Let's have some insight. Let's work at this. And so our constant, I'll just tell you this, our constant threshold has been this. We have said when we meet your threshold of safety that you expect, please come. So if we don't, then don't come. But we're having church in the way that we do it for those whose threshold we have met. And we don't condemn those who say, well, you're not there for me yet. You're not at the threshold. That's why we went online. Because we don't want you to feel disconnected. We don't want you to feel like, well, because you don't, we haven't met that threshold that you can't if, and come in person. Well, therefore, we don't want anything not front to do with you. No, not at all. So our goal is this. We have noticed that God's made a way when there was no way. It's been hard, it's been difficult, but I can tell you God's been faithful. And we have had the protocols change throughout the year. You know, just when we thought we had two steps forward, they threw us a five-step backwards. And you're like, oh man, so now we're revisiting where we were nine months ago and we're backing this train up. When can we get another step here and a step going there? And it's just, so I just tell you that I look back and I just want to look around the room. God's been faithful, man. And, and just again, just the folks who have said, even by uh, watching online, that God has been faithful. He's helped us in that. Number two, read this. God was in charge when at the time we thought there wasn't, when we thought there wasn't anybody in charge. I am like you. There were mornings I woke up and I thought, who's calling the shots? And I wasn't trying to be political, I wasn't trying to be mean about leadership, I wasn't trying to be critical, it was, but I don't think you could not, 365 days of this, I don't think you could not wake up at least one day and think that. Who's in charge? 
because there was so much conflicting information and you're trying to make decisions and find some kind of rhythm on a personal level and then also as a, for us as a church, you're trying to find some type of rhythm, some predictability. And what you see in the text that Isaiah writes is this, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Now there's two things I want to highlight, one referencing back to the previous scripture I read where it talks about them crossing the sea on dry ground. See, when you're faced with a sea, you think you've got two options. There's a body of water, and you need to get to the other side. In your natural, you have two ways to do this. Swim, and for most of us, that would probably not be a viable option if any distance was necessary, right? And then the other one is boats, right? Come on, nobody in their right mind goes, well, what about just parting the water and walking on dry ground? <laughs> nobody. I mean, that's just, that's just not, it's just, you, you would almost look at like somebody go, well, yeah, that would be nice, but back to the real world, are we going to swim or are we going to boat? And then you see here, we read about this tension between Moses and the Israelites and Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. What many people don't realize about the story is this. Pharaoh and Moses were stepbrothers. You just, you just don't have a conflict of two nationalities. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's household. Remember that? He was raised as one of Pharaoh's own. And so these two guys have grown up together. So this explains why Moses was able to get such a fast audience with Pharaoh and everybody else had to get in line. How many know doesn't matter your title. Your kids don't care who you are. If they show up, they just want to see mom or dad. They, it does, you, know, you can be whoever. You can say, well, listen, you're going to have to make an appointment. How many know family just goes to the front of the line and you deal with them? Right? It's just the way it is. And so Moses shows up. Pharaoh, Moses is here. He's oh, the old half-brother. Bring him in. Let's, let's handle this right now. And basically, you have a little bit of conflict between two, two brothers going at it. By the way, who are national leaders in their own right, except Pharaoh says he's a god. And Moses says, uh-uh, buddy, I remember when mama was changing your diapers. And I, I can personally, I grew up with you, I can personally vouch you are not a god. I can personally vouch for that. And it, 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 it explains why Moses could be so frank with Pharaoh and why Pharaoh was so frank with Moses, there had been a long time a backdrop of history going on. And so here they are, and God says, you think Pharaoh's calling the shots. You think Moses is calling the shots. You think this is his con. And God says, I've been calling the shots from the back seat the whole time. I've been in charge. He says, I drew out those chariots and horses. That army, and, and, and I, I even got the army and the reinforcements together. And I got them into that Red Sea. And they are extinguished. Not, you want to say Pharaoh made a bad decision. God says, it may have been a bad decision, but I just want you to know I was behind all that. Now, that may not be news that we like to hear that God's behind COVID. We just want to say, I rebuke that. <laughs> no, I don't know what God's doing, 
but he's in charge. He has not lost his authority. He's not having a, a leadership meeting in heaven going, Psst, anybody got any ideas on what to do with COVID? <laughs> Did not see that. God is allowing it, and God is using it. Now, I, don't, I can't explain all the whys. I, I don't have all the reasons. That's why we're, hey, that's why they call it a faith walk, not a reason walk. You just go, God, I know you're in charge. COVID has not weakened God. COVID has not confused him. COVID has not messed up God's plans. God's in charge. Has been, still is. And everybody said amen. amen. Number three, read it, about this. read it out loud. Learn from the past, but, but don't live in it. He says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. That, I'm going to say that that's a very popular scripture. In fact, a lot of times when this is taught, that's where they start, and they launch from there. But there's, like I said, I like to back it up because I like to get the context of what's happening here. And when he says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, it's easy to go, wow, he's telling them to forget the Red Sea experience? Because that's what he just mentioned, and now he's saying forget it. Well, let me, let me put it in, in context here. We know that that's not the case because even by this time, they're celebrating the Passover for 740 years, and they still celebrate the Passover today. So obviously, God was not saying, you know, just, just forget that. Don't even, hey, the Red Sea, just move on. Don't even talk about it. Let's, you know, it wasn't that all. What God was saying was this. Sometimes the saving events of the past and all their details can be a straitjacket into which we try to force every act of God into. If we're not careful, instead of seeing God and his activity and what he wants, we can create idols out of his methodology. Because he did it that way, that means God's going to be doing it this way. No, what you recognize is this. This is how God did it. And what we need to recognize is this. We need to keep our eye on how God is working. But what we don't want to do is keep trying to copy how he did it. And so God was saying, what I want you to see is this. I am your deliverer. I am your provider. I will see you through not only what you're going through now, but when captivity comes, I will see you through. And, you know, if you, if you look at the map, there's no sea in Babylon to part. But if you fall in love with the fact that we have to have another Red Sea parting and you take into captivity to Babylon, you're going to be sorely disappointed because there's no sea there that could be parted. But yet God says, I want you to, I want you to see what I can do, who I am. That I am your deliverer. But don't worship the method. We discovered that even here as a church. You know, we, we have this way that we do church and then all of a sudden COVID comes and we're like, no, you can't do it that way anymore. And so you had to reserve seats. And then we had to space them out, and, you know. And then we had to say, sorry, the service is full based on the reservation model that we're using and you just want to go, yeah, but two out of three seats are still empty. A full house was one-third of the sanctuary full. I don't know about you. As a pastor, that's just really discouraging. 
you know, and you're telling people, hey, you're going to have to find another service to go to, you know, move things around. It was, but then, but here's the thing. We saw that God did a new thing because now we have as many people online sometimes as we do in a church service. Can I tell you something? We have people who connected to the bridge because they started watching us online. And when they felt comfortable enough and felt like the threshold for them had been met, they came. And I'm here to tell you, we have people in this service who started watching the bridge and after six, seven, eight months have come and now this is their church home. He's doing it in a new... Now, you, you, you generally go like, no, they're not going to... That's just People won't do it. They won't sustain that for very long. Oh, no, they're sustaining it. In fact, we have people who give to the bridge who have yet to set foot here. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Because the model is, look, until they come and see and know and get involved, that is usually something that grows as they learn. But there are folks who are tithing here and they have yet to set foot here. They just said, you're my church. And when my threshold of comfort, when safety is met, I will be there. But I figure I might as well start giving now. And I'm like, sure, amen, God bless you. It's a new way to do it. Never... I never thought when we started having to do this and then having, and, and Peter gets a lot of, uh, Peter Stauffer, our media director, gets a lot of credit. He's online and he's got folks trained that even during this service, and I know it's probably lighting up online right now because I'm talking to them, he's interacting with people who are watching. They're talking to them. It's a different way of reaching and pastoring and talking to people. So if you want to talk during church, go online. Because that's what they're doing. And so, you know, Peter always says, well, tell them to give, they say, he says, make sure you tell them to give you a thumbs up. Hey, if you're online, give them a thumbs up. So that tells them that you're listening. And then we'll look back to see who gave all the thumbs up. But anyway, bless you all. But learn from the past, but don't live in it. Yeah. You know what? Here's, here's another thing we learn. In Christianity, community became more important than the event of Christianity. Did you all catch that? The community. People said, I may not be comfortable being in a large sanctuary, but I'm comfortable with my five or six or seven people that I know, and I'm around them weekly. And they're my lifeline. I'm not quite there for the large gathering, but I'm all in on my community. And these people know me. Listen, my, the pastoral team and myself, we have heard so many stories. People have said this, and I, I hesitate to say this, because sometimes people take it as a challenge when they hear these testimonies, okay? People say, I bet you guys have been swamped with needs. Not like you think we would be. Well, really? Because these people are in our connection groups, and as soon as a need is, is known, that connection group takes care of it, and we as a pastoral team never hear about it. They're really, they're really taking care of one another. They really have each other's back. There was a lady in our church who passed away, no family, none, zero. And her apartment needed to be cleaned out. There was no family to call to go clean it out. That connection group came together and packed everything up 
and moved everything out. Took care of her. Took care of her needs. I could tell you story after story. Listen, yes, people who are connected to the bridge did get COVID. And their connection group says, what do you need? We'll have food to your door. Do you need errands run? What do you, you would be surprised at what we did not do. Because people were in community with one another, and they took care of each other. They went, my, we would get, we'd get stories. Hey, just want to let you know I haven't been there two weeks, all good. My connection group's taking care of everything I need. Just want to let you know I'm still breathing. We had people, some who had to go into the medical facility. We, as a pastor, I never got word of it, but the connection group said, hey, we just want to let you know later, hey, they were in, but we had it all covered. We were cycling in. We got this, and we took care of it, and we're taking the meal. And by the way, what does that tell you? If you're not in a connection group, I'm not trying to push. You need to understand, community has become more than important than the event. And you say, well, man, I need that. Let me tell you, there's two things why you ought to do that. Number one, there might be a day you're going to need that. And it's hard to reap where you've not sown. And number two is this. Well, you say, I don't need it. Trust me, we know people who need you. They need you. And you're their miracle. And so there's, yeah, so learn from the past. But we don't want to live in it. But we want to look for what God is doing and how God is doing it. Number three, read it out loud. God's activity, constantly evolving. God's activity was constantly evolving. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Why did he, what's that phrase in reference to? Because we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit here into the next verse. But he said this, God had turned the sea into dry ground. Isn't that the story of of the Red Sea? He turned turned the, the, the sea into dry ground. But listen to this. But in the next verse that we're going to read, he says, I'm going to put streams in the wasteland. So it's just the out. God says, I removed water and made dry ground so people can get across. But in this instant, I'm going to take dry ground and I'm going to put water on it. Can you see why you never want to memorialize and idolize sometimes what God's activity is going to look? Because God says now the opposite is the answer. Now there's a wasteland. That place doesn't need to dry. It already is dry. Now I'm going to do just the opposite. Whereas before I removed the water, now I'm going to put the water there. So we have to recognize God's evolving activity. Number five, let's read this. Harsh conditions allowed for God's activity to be more recognizable. Let me explain it this way. It's easy. The more difficult a situation is, the easier it is to see God's activity because there's such a stark contrast. So he says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Well, sure. If if, if a path shows up in the wilderness, that's easy to see because there's no paths. If If there's wasteland and streams show up, It's easy to see the streams because it's wasteland. Then he says, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He says it again, to give drink to my people, my chosen. So let me tell you something. God wants us to be the streams in the wasteland. 
That's why it's critical that we respond differently. And I know some of you go, well, that's easy for you to say. You're a pastor. You never have any problems. <laughs> Everything's easy peasy for you. You know, you always come in. Everything's rosy for you. You know, you, you're just, you just preach and then you, you go home and you just, and we all struggle. Hey, can I tell you, my wife and I, we have drama in our life too. And don't talk about it a lot because it's not my place to use, you know, I come to preach God's word, not preach drama. But let, hey, let me, let me just, let me give you a little window, okay? Nobody is more excited to have 2021 wrapping up than us. This has been the last six months for us on a personal level. And I know some of you are going to go, I had no idea about that. It's not our place to use the pulpit to share our drama so that you feel sorry for us. We have leaders in this church that know us. When things happen, we text, we call them. They are well aware. They pray for us, okay? It's our connection group, okay? And we're there for them when those leaders, when they're hurting and they're in crisis, we're there for them. So they know all this, Okay? So here's what's happened in June. Since June, I have gone through a bout with Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever. Okay? Then, in August, we were told a great celebration. My oldest son and his wife, they were expecting their second child. We were excited. By the end of August, she had a miscarriage. So just working through the emotions of, you know, they did the big, you know, the big celebration. They FaceTimed us and... My, grand, my granddaughter had a shirt on it said, I'm going to be a, was a big sister or something like that. And, they, you know, it was, a, and it was a subtle thing. But as soon as the FaceTime went on, I went, hey, 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 my granddaughter's wearing a shirt. I knew immediately, man. You know, I was like, hey, I, I, I beat Pastor Lisa in that recognition. I just want <laughs> Then a few weeks later to be told she lost the baby. Tough. When you were, I mean, we got on the calendar, when's it going to be born? We put in our vacation, we're going to be there, you know, all that. And then just to have to take all that off. Then about another month and a half later, my daughter and their grand, two of our grandkids who have moved here, she took them up to Pennsylvania. So we said, they have a little dog. My wife said, hey, I'll watch it for you. And where we live, we have a walking path through the woods. So my wife that day took the dog out for a walk as she was a approaching another lady who had a German shepherd. The German shepherd was extremely agitated, and she was really having a hard time getting control of it. My wife, growing up on a farm, knows, you know, animals, so she picked up that little dog of my grandkids and just got as far off to the path on the side as she possibly could, but the dog just became unbelievably agitated, and, and literally, uh, the lady just, it, it literally broke her hold and did a full charge on my wife. She had the dog up here by her, by her neck. And the dog lunged and made a bite. And caught the dog. Thank God. I told my wife, I said, thank God you did this, not that. And by the time my wife recovered her balance and turned around, it had already killed the dog of my grandkids. Could not, would not turn loose. I was actually up on the back porch. It's far enough, you know, because our house overlooks the valley, I heard her scream, even though I couldn't see her. And I texted her. I said, what's up? I just heard you scream. She said, you better get out of here. So we went through that because I'm just telling you, if you think you go home and put your head on the pillow like nothing happened that day, and just the anxiety that is now associated with large animals, let's just leave it there. 
Okay? Just a, just a tough time. Then she got hit again with uh, pre-pneumonia. She was out two weeks. If you didn't notice, she missed three Sundays in November. She had pre-pneumonia right on the border. And it wasn't, trust me, we did the testing. She didn't have COVID. We're good. But still, so we had a vacation scheduled, and it was in Florida. Had to cancel the flight because there was no way I knew they were going to let her on a plane. So we drove all the way down there in the first week. Uh, she was still sick, but she got over it. The warm climate really did help her. So she got one healthy week out of the vacation. Came back good. Then a week and a half ago, she got rear-ended. Was in a wreck. So now we're sorting through all. We are so ready for the pages to turn. And by the way, I've left some stuff out just out of the fact, you know, some things just need to stay in the house. How many understand that? We've had more, more issues, more challenges that we've had to face and deal with. It's been a difficult. I just want to let you know, when I stand up here and preach, I'm not standing, surrounding myself with a bunch of roses. I'm telling you, this has been one year. I can't wait to wrap up. And get it over and be done with it and move on. But I also know this. God's been faithful to us. It's been a tough emotional year with the roller coaster of emotions associated with all these things and how they've unfolded. But I just want to let you know, we have seen the activity of God in ways that we never expected. And I, so when I tell you he's faithful, <laughs> I'm not just saying that because that's, a, I read that in a book somewhere. Because I will tell you this, it's not what God, so everybody say, are you, are you over it? I go, no, no, you don't never get over it, you get through it. God gives you a different perspective. But you never forget what happened, you never forget how it happened, you never forget how you felt, you never forget... The, the elongated time that is associated with some of those events as you work through things. But what you recognize is this. I may not have gotten over it, but I got through it. And God is still helping. And everybody said amen. amen. Number six. Read it out loud. COVID complicated things, but God still expected us to live a life that brought him praise. You notice this, the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Just because we have a difficult time doesn't mean I stop. Keep pressing. I want to give a, a testimony, and I hope this comes across appropriately. I know sometimes we have new folks in a service, and you, it would be easy for you to hear this and think, that pastor's driven by numbers or something. But, you know, we always just share the activity of God through these missions updates, right? And I'm just telling you, you, you probably have family and friends. There's, there's a challenge in a lot of arenas in the church world. People are naturally more inclined to be protective of themselves a little more first than, than usual. And so there's kind of a pullback on a lot of fronts. Giving is down in a number of venues. I just want to say, first of all, our giving went up substantially. Amen. Substantially. And we'll be giving a, an update later. But what's really important is this. Missions has taken a hit all over the place. Missionaries are saying, you know, and you know, how many know that's almost you, almost, you almost know that without even right? You almost know that. We're, I'm not a guy who watches 
things like that super close. I hope that doesn't make me sound irresponsible, but I'm real simple. Ask, people give, whatever they give, you sin. Real simple. For missions, for me. They give, we sin. We just, whatever. So that's why we do the monthly update, right? You just, that's what came in, that's what we're sending out. Okay? Real simple process. In November, I was contacted by our national leaders in the missions department through an email. And a couple of them reached out to me and they said, hey, we just want to ask you, what are you doing? How many of will strike fear into you? <laughs> Dear God, what did I do? What did I forget? You know, you know, they just said, you know, missions is backing up all across the fronts in a lot of arenas. They said, at the end of November, you're giving in missions is up 70% from a year ago. Amen. You hear that? <laughs> Folks, listen to me. That's you. That says that you've said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to accept that this crisis is all about me. And I'm not going to act that way. That says a lot about well, not a lot. It is. It says, it's about what that tells me about you. This is not going to be a crisis that's about us. God has positioned us, and maybe he wants us to help other people who face this crisis. And you saw that. A missionary who had to transition rapidly to utilizing Peruvian nationals. And there's so much more in that story because we try to limit it to three minutes. There's so much of that story, even more than what you saw today. Because they use these compost toilets. Because you have to create some hygiene around the wells. Did you know that that missionary flew here to meet with some guys in this church and met in a barn, and they invented that compost toilet? How cool is that? Yeah. I mean, I could go on. There's some amazing stories. And I, and I tell you this. Listen, COVID made things hard. But that doesn't mean we stopped. And I want to say thank you for keeping your eyes and your ears and your heart open. I believe this is our finest hour. It's our hardest hour. But I really believe that. Because it says there, I form for myself that they more proclaim my praise. It never says unless COVID messes with it. That's a mandate. That stays even when it's hard. Then how do we give him praise? How do we do it today? How do we do it now? How do we do it for people? God has not called for us to live in a bunker. He's called us to live an open life, to figure out what can I do, where can I do it, and when am I going to do it. But we are to live a life of momentum. Everybody stand with me if you would, and I want us to read this last scripture together as we're standing. I want you to read this out loud with me as I wrap it up. Come on. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ, or God, has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you notice it says, straining towards? That means we have to put some effort into it. 
And it also says, we're going to feel the strength. Might even feel a muscle or two getting hurt. But God has called us to say, even if you have to strain, go for it. My church, not me, I'm talking about God saying, God says, my church, the gates of hell will not prevail. We keep moving forward, even if we get stopped to go to, down to a crawl, we keep crawling. We don't stop. And everybody said amen.